Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. All right, everybody say, this time, time. next next year. God wants you to be at a new place this time next year. God wants your finances to be at a new place this time next year. How many of y'all believe that God wants the best for your life? Man, if you don't believe it, today is a great day to learn that he does. God cares about every part of your life moving forward, progressing, that you're seeing uh, greater things happen. We don't serve a God that moves us backwards and backwards and lesser and lesser. We serve a God that takes us from glory to glory. You know, I was thinking about how most people, they start off a year and they have all these goals, what they're gonna do, and and, and they've got goals that they're setting. But you know, I think about how if we were to look at the year, instead of trying to accomplish all of our goals right here at the start, but instead over the next 12 months, adopting some disciplines in our life that could change our health, God cares about your body. There's a lot of scriptures that care about your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to just get in shape in January. God wants you to get healthy for your whole year. And if we were to adopt some disciplines that God spells out in scripture and through the stories that we've been reading in the Bible, I believe our finances could be in a better place this time next year. Our health could be in a better place this time next year. Our marriages, our families, our relationships, our joy, our passion, our work ethic, every part of your life could change. This time next year, you could look back and say, I did it. Well, I didn't do it. God did it. God did it in me and through me. So in this series, we've been looking at a story, and it's a story about new beginnings and necessary endings, and it's really a story about someone who made a decision that this time next year, she was going to be in a different place, and she was going to be on track for God's plan in her life. It's the story of Ruth, and if you have a Bible, go to Ruth chapter 3 this morning. Yes! If you're watching online, you can join us. Ruth chapter 3. We left off in Ruth chapter two last week with Ruth gleaning in the fields. And and her mother-in-law, Naomi, told her, stay in these fields. In these fields, you're gonna find favor. In these fields, you're you're gonna find friendships. In these fields, you're gonna discover your purpose. In these fields, you're gonna meet the right people. And I like to think that the church is like the field. That if you'll stay in the field that God has you in, you're gonna discover God's purpose for your life. If you'll stay in the field that God has you in, you're gonna discover godly community that he wants to surround you with. You're gonna meet the right people. In the field that God's called you in, you're gonna find God's favor for your life. You're gonna see acceleration in your life. Everybody say, stay in the field. So that's where Ruth left off at the end of chapter two. And a little backstory, Ruth was an immigrant, she was a foreigner, she had left her country, her people, her family, her customs, the gods, the idols that her family served, and she had decided to follow her mother-in-law, even though her husband had died, she had no connection anymore to her mother-in-law, and yet she said, Naomi, I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. Your people will be my people. Your God is now becoming my God. So Ruth picked a path. She picked a group of people. She was following her mother-in-law, Naomi, to Israel. And when she got there, Ruth made some decisions with her life. She got up 
from discouragement. She got out of her comfort zone and she got moving with a purpose. She was an activator. She was an initiator. And it leads us to chapter three. There was this relationship that was budding in chapter two. She met this guy named Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz was a man's man. In fact, the words that we see in Hebrew about Boaz was Gibor Ha'il. He was a worthy man. It means he was a man of war. He was a strong man. He was a man of wealth. He made good decisions with his money. He was a man of wisdom. He didn't fool around and, and get into foolish things in his life. And he was a man of worship. He loved God. He believed in God. He cared about God's people. Well, Boaz took notice of Ruth in chapter 2. And there was a little bit of flirtatiousness. He was treating her extra special. He was leaving bundles of grain for Ruth while she was uh, gleaning in his fields. He was inviting Ruth to dinner with him. And you could just tell there was, there was some chemistry there. All right? Everybody say chemistry. And so Naomi noticed all of this, the mother-in-law. She's seeing all of this. And she's, you know, she's a matchmaker. She's like, I've got a plan for these two. And so we get to chapter three, and it gets a little wild here, so just hang in there with me for a moment. In verse one, one day the mother-in-law of Ruth, Naomi, said, my dear daughter, isn't it about time? And the message I wanna give you, to you today is, it's about time. Turn to someone next to you and say, it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. And so Naomi says to Ruth, isn't it about time that I arranged a good home for you so that you can have a happy life? And isn't Boaz, our close relative, the one with whose young women you've been working with? And maybe it's about time to make our move. Tonight is the night. Everybody say, tonight is the night. <laughs> you might just plug the ears of your children in the room today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna keep it PG, all right. Tonight is the night of Boaz's barley harvest at the threshing floor. Take a bath, put on some perfume, get all dressed up, and go to the threshing floor. But don't tell Boaz that you're there until he's on his way home and he's finished with the party and he's had plenty to eat and drink. When you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lies down and go follow him there. Lie at his feet to let him know that you are available for marriage. <laughs> Y'all are like, this sounds like a good plan. Uh, this was how they did it in the Old Testament. Don't be getting any ideas today. Then Naomi tells Ruth, wait and see what he says. He'll tell you what to do. And I love what Ruth said in verse five. She said, if you say so, I'll do it. Just as you've told me. Let's say that together. If you say so, I'll do it just as you've told me. You know, I think about how the phrase, it's about time, shows up a few different times in chapter three and chapter four. And as we're finishing the series today, I think about how there's things in our life that we already know we're supposed to do. And, and when we do them, people in our life come up to us and they go, it's about time. It's about time. I'll never forget, you know, on my wedding day, coming down to the altar and I'm standing in front of all those that came to our wedding. Did anyone come to our wedding that's here today? Yeah, oh, thank you so much for coming. And uh, it, was, it was so funny though, because there was, it was all this tension, it was serious. My dad comes out, everybody's listening to what he's gonna say. And his very first words, he looks at me, he looks at Ashley, he looks back at me and he goes, it's about time, Paul. You know you're supposed to be with this girl for a long time. And he's like, finally, and everybody starts clapping. 
Because Ash and I had known each other for a while. Have you ever heard that phrase in your life, it's about time? All right, five of us in the room, okay, cool. But there's moments where, I mean, even, even this last week, I was overdue for a haircut. And once I got it, one of my friends came up to me and was like, it's about time you got the haircut. And you were looking a little, you know, crazy with your hair going out in different directions. Uh, I think about moments in my mom's house where, you know, I was uh, in the living room watching a football game and didn't realize that she was washing the dishes in the kitchen. And I came in, I said, can I help you? And she looks at me and she goes, it's about time. Come on, how many of you have ever heard that phrase, it's about time? Whether it was a haircut or washing dishes or finally asking that girl out or finally saying yes to that guy or finally doing the thing you knew you were supposed to do, this is what Naomi was telling Ruth. She was like, Ruth, Boaz is interested in you and for whatever reason, he hasn't made his move. So it's about time we let him know that you are available and you are ready for this girl because the clock is ticking. Everybody say, it's about time. I wanna give you real quickly a few points from this passage, Ruth chapter three and chapter four for your life that we can learn on the timing of the things that God has laid in store for our lives. Number one, it's about time you took personal responsibility for your future. It's about time you take personal responsibility for your future. The thing we can learn from Ruth, every chapter, is that Ruth didn't make excuses. She could have wallowed in in sorrow and grief and anger. She lost her husband. She was leaving her hometown. She was a foreigner. She's an immigrant. She doesn't have a job lined up for her, but she took personal responsibility. She didn't blame it on the government. She didn't blame it on God. She didn't blame, she didn't make excuses. She took responsibility until you take responsibility for your future. Nothing will happen. God is waiting for you to take responsibility. He has favor lined up for you. He has relationships lined up for you, but he's not just gonna drop it in your lap while you lay in bed and do nothing. You say, but Paul, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Yeah, but you gotta start stepping. No, no, God's gonna cause me to levitate off the bed. He's gonna move my muscles for me. What Bible are you reading? God works as you start moving. God starts directing your steps as you take responsibility to say, I gotta get up, I gotta get out, I gotta get moving, and I gotta start doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. What are you waiting on? God says, I've given you the green light on some things that's already spelled out in scripture. And that leads me to number two. It's about time you get in God's word on a daily basis. It's about time you stop just living off of Sunday sermons to find direction for your life. You gotta get in it yourself. You say, man, that's kinda harsh, Paul. Man, if you wanna be where God's called you to be this time next year, if you wanna have the marriage that God's called you to have this time next year, if you want your health, if you want your finances, if you want your relationships, your joy, your peace to be where God's called it to be this time next year, it's gonna require you getting in God's word. And it's about time. It's about time. I just hear God saying, it's about time you did this. I'll never forget going to Cracker Barrel as a kid with my family. And any Cracker Barrel fans in the house today? 
we would go to Cracker Barrel and there's a checkers, checkered board over there by the fireplace at Cracker Barrel and I would always rush over to the checkers board and you know, I would ask you know, my dad to come play checkers with me. He was kind of the only one that really would do it. <laughs> and uh, so I'd go over there, we'd be playing checkers and I hated to lose and so if I lost eight games, I'd say, let's play best of 20. You know, I just wanted to keep playing till I could win, till I could beat my dad. This one time I was taking my time on a move and it had been about five minutes and he's just looking at me, he's like, Paul, it's your move. Paul, it's your move. I'm like, Dad, I know. Be patient. You preached about patience this last week. You know? And then the biscuits walked by with the honey, and I was like, oh, those are going to our table. The biscuits. And my dad's like, Paul, make your move. It's, it's your time. It's your moment. It's time for you to move. And, you know, what was he saying? He was saying, it's about time. I could just hear God from heaven saying this to some of you in this room. It's about time that you get in God's word. It's about time that you mature in your spiritual life. It's about time you move from elementary spirituality into high school or college spirituality. God wants to grow you this year, and you can't do it just by living off of a Sunday message. It's going to require daily doses of God's Word. And we passed out Bible reading plans at the beginning of this month. We still have tons of those in the lobby on your way out, or you can download the Victory app on your smartphone and follow the Bible reading plan with us. It will even read it to you. You can listen to the audio Bible. Number three, it's about time you listened to and linked up with godly, wise friends. It's about time that you listened to and linked up with godly, wise friends. You say, well, what's that gonna do for my life this year? It's gonna change everything. Just like we saw in the testimonies of Marquise and Alyssa, it wasn't until they surrounded themselves with people who believed in their future instead of people that kept them in their past. You say, but people, I, I like the people of my past. If the people in your past don't believe in you moving forward into your future, you need to love them from a distance. And you need to pick some godly, wise friends that have been where you haven't been, that help get you to where God's called you to go. My wife and I, we sit down often with people that are twice our age and we ask for wisdom, counsel, my mom, my dad, Dr. Billy Wilson across the street, Jensen Franklin, Larry Stocks, John Bevere, people in this church that come and they just pour into us. They say, hey, Paul, I've walked the path you're walking. Let me help you as a husband. Let me help you as a daddy. I need that. You need that. You know, I think about how in this church, there's so many of us that we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the connect groups and the mentorship that's happened in our lives. How many of you have been blessed to have someone that invested time and encouragement and mentorship in your life? And you would say, man, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that man, that woman, that person, that teacher, that coach, that pastor, that close friend in the church. You know, I think about how Naomi, she had to make a decision. She was gonna let go of the pain of her past and recognized that Ruth was her future. The spotlight was no longer on Naomi. The spotlight was on Ruth, but Naomi's role was still pivotal in Ruth's life. And you might be here today and say, man, my season's you know, over. I'm no, I don't know what my purpose is here. Your purpose is to mentor someone. God wants to use you. Naomi was going to find her future through Ruth. She was gonna find life again. She was gonna find laughter again. She was gonna find joy again as she got over herself. We all need people in our life, relationships. Iron sharpens iron. 
Paul had Barnabas who was speaking into him, believing in him, encouraging him, but Paul had Timothy who he was pouring into. Elisha had Elijah. At the end of your row, there's little cards that say, get a mentor or be a mentor. I wanna pass those down and just take it with you today and after service, you can fill it out and drop it off if you want a mentor or maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'd be willing to be a Naomi to a Ruth in the room or I'm a Ruth and I need a Naomi. I'm an Elisha and I need Elijah. I'm a Timothy, I need a Paul. I need someone to pour into me. And we wanna help you do that. We want this church to feel like family. We wanna help you build relationships where you can have trust, wise, godly counsel from people that you believe in and people that believe in you. Everybody say, it's about time. time. Number four, it's about time that you got in tune with the Holy Spirit. I love how in Ruth chapter three, verse one through five, Naomi is counseling Ruth, she's comforting Ruth, she's prompting Ruth, she's directing Ruth, she's advising Ruth. What Naomi did for Ruth, the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and for me. Jesus told his disciples, the Holy Spirit is so important for your future that I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to leave the upper room until the Spirit comes inside you. Acts 1.8, he said, don't leave till the power comes. It's better to be sent than it is to leave. He said, wait on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit this year wants to give you wisdom and counsel. There's things the Holy Spirit tells me that I couldn't find in the scripture, but it's not contradicting the scripture. There's days where I'll feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit, call that person. Well, let me see a scripture on that. There's not a scripture on that. But for me to call that person, God has a plan for me to talk to them. There's been times where I felt the Holy Spirit say, go to St. Francis Hospital, go to the fourth floor, There's people that I've called you to go pray for. And sure enough, when I went to St. Francis to the fourth floor, God had divine opportunities. This last month, I had an invitation to go somewhere. It was kind of out of my uh, 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 regular routine. I had plans. I had to change because I heard the Holy Spirit, you need to be there. And because I was there, God had divine appointments and relationships. There's things you can only get by being in tune with the Holy Spirit. This is a year. It is about time that you stop flirting with the Holy Spirit and you get in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's about time you stop hearing about everybody else being led by the Spirit. It's time for you to get led by the Spirit. Man, he wants to help you in every decision you make. The Holy Spirit is not limited to your spiritual life. He wants to help you in your family. He wants to help you in your finances. He wants to help you in your work. He wants to help you even in the daily small decisions that you make. You say, how do I get the Holy Spirit? You invite him in your life. You say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Direct me, counsel me. See, when we get saved, when we give our lives to Jesus, we don't just get part of the package, we get the whole thing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is just waiting for you to say, okay, lead me, guide me. And I love how Ruth responded to the counsel and the advice of Naomi. In verse five, she said, if you say so, I'll do it. She was quick to obey. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. See, some of us, we know what we need to do and we say, I'm gonna get around to it. I'm gonna get around to stopping this bad habit. I'm gonna get around to stopping sleeping around. I'm gonna get around to, you know, uh, no longer going out and doing the stuff I know I shouldn't do. I'll get around to it. I know Jesus is coming back soon, but he's not coming back yet, so I'm gonna keep playing. Stop. You have right now. You are not promised tomorrow. And so number five, it's about time that you obeyed what God has already said. 
It's about time that you obeyed what God has already said. He's already given you the green light on certain things. He's saying, it's your move, man. You, you know what you need to do. And I wonder if God is saying this from heaven right now in some of your lives. Make your move. Obey what you already have heard God say to you. Well, I just, you know, I don't know. James chapter one says a man that's double-minded is unstable in all of his ways. It's time to make a decision. I would say this is decision day for 2018. Where do you wanna be this time next year? Stop fooling around and get in obedience to what God has already said. When you obey God, it's not gonna be easy. He doesn't promise us an easy life. I saw a drawing of our life, our plan for our life versus God's plan for our life. And I wanna throw that drawing upon the screen because it's kind of funny. We have our own version of, of what life is supposed to look like, that we're just gonna get to the finish line, it's gonna be smooth sailing. <laughs> but a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. I can't promise that if you obey God, it's gonna be perfect and easy for you. God never promised us a storm-free life, but he did promise us a storm-proof life. He's gonna be with you through the storms. You know, when the disciples started following Jesus, they ended up in the middle of a storm. It was a typhoon on the Sea of Galilee. Don't you care, God, we're gonna drown. We obeyed you and everything's falling apart. We're gonna die. And Jesus says, I'm with you, I'm with you. I got you. We serve a God who doesn't necessarily give us the easy path, the perfect, the flawless path, the path that has no storms, but we serve a God who stays with us in the valleys, in the storms, on the mountaintops. So Ruth said, I'll do it. I'll take the risk. Ruth risked rejection. In verse six, it says she went and she did just as Naomi told her. She found Boaz, she followed him back to his place, the threshing floor. She laid at his feet in verse seven to signal her availability for marriage. In the middle of the night, the man suddenly startled, awake, awakened, and he said, whoa, there's a woman in here. <laughs> Surprise. Ruth is like, hey. He said, who are you? She said, I'm Ruth. I'm your maiden. Take me under your protective wing. This was wild. This was wild, a woman proposing to a man, a foreigner proposing to a citizen of Israel, a field worker proposing to the boss of the field. Little did Ruth know this risk would pay off. It's about time you took some risks this year. See, if you play it safe, you miss out on what faith can bring. Faith is not the, the security of certainty. Faith is the uncertainty that you step out and you believe that God can meet you in the middle of the risk, just like Peter stepped out on the water. How do you take the right risks? Well, leaders that take the right risks, they know, first off, that our responsibility. They recognize the need to step out today for tomorrow's future. Initiative, leaders who take risks, they, they have an initiative, they act when no one else would go before them. Sacrifice, S. Leaders make sacrifices to make things work. K, knowledge. Leaders will gather enough information to trust the risk. They will gather just enough information. They still know there's some uncertainty there. They still know it could be rejection. They could apply at that college. They could step out. They could do that dream. They could try it 
but they have just enough information to say, okay, I'm willing to take the risk. And so Ruth embraced the uncertainty. She obeyed God regardless of the consequences. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. In verse 10, Boaz said, wow, 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 wow. My dear daughter, God bless you. What a splendid expression of love. You could have had your pick of any of the young men around, and yet you came to me. And Boaz said, don't you worry about a thing. And I hear God saying this to you this year. Don't you worry about a thing. As you've been faithful in the field, as you've been faithful to take care of your mother-in-law, people that you didn't even have to help, people that could do nothing for you, as you've been faithful to honor God, as you've been faithful to give it all you got, you thought God had forgotten about you, but I'm here to tell you today, don't you worry about a thing. God's got you. He's got you. He's got you. He's got your best interest at heart. The best is yet to come. Boaz said, I'm going to take care of you, Ruth but I gotta do things right. I'm not gonna touch you tonight. I'm not gonna touch you until you're my wife. Nothing immoral happened that night. We need men that would treat women like that. That's the kind of man you want. You want a Boaz. And Boaz said, I'm, I'm going to propose an idea here. He said, there's a relative that's closer to you than I am, and, and it, he has the right to have you as his wife. The customs of the Mosaic law meant that Boaz had to let this man at least have a chance. And so he said, I'm gonna give him his chance, but if he doesn't take his chance, if he doesn't recognize the window of time, the opportunity that's right in front of him, I'm gonna get you, girl. I'm gonna be your man. But either way, I'm gonna take care of you. Either way, it's powerful. This story is wild. It's better than any you know, romantic movie. It's just powerful. And so that night he, he, he says, listen, just stay right here, but before, before the sunrise comes, get out of here. I don't want anyone to see this. I, this, I wanna protect your reputation. He gives her enough provision. He takes, sends her home. That next morning, she goes home to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She tells her about everything. And, and Naomi says this at the end of chapter three. She says, sit back, Ruth, relax. We're gonna find out how things will turn out. That man isn't going to fool around. Come on, man. She said, mark my words, he's gonna get everything wrapped up today. Everybody say, wrap it up. <laughs> I'm about to wrap up the sermon right now. We're gonna wrap up the series today. Sometimes we prolong things. I'm prolonging things right now. Let me go on to chapter four. Everybody say, wrap it up. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Ruth chapter four, verse one, Boaz went straight to the public square. He was a man on a mission. And he took his place at the gate. It's time. It's about time that you took your place of authority. Number six, it's about time you took your place of authority. The place at the gate that Boaz sat in was a place of decision making. It was a place of authority. Boaz was saying, I'm not leaving the gate until I decide what's going to happen for the future of my life. I'm taking authority. I'm taking authority over my future. You need to take authority over your eye gate, over your ear gate, 
over your mouth gate, over your heart gate. Some of us have been letting the devil wreak havoc on our thought life, just tormenting us. You have the authority of the believer. It's time today to say, Satan, not today, not tomorrow, not any more days. Get out of my house. Get out of my living room. Get out of my dorm room. Get out of my laptop. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my family. Get out of my future. I'm taking authority today. Everybody say, it's about time. You need to get, you need to get radical towards the devil. Boaz was saying, it's, it's time. It's time. I'm taking authority. So he found the relative. He said, hey, man, come over here. We got some business to handle, and we got to handle it right now. He was a right now man. He wasn't dragging his feet. He wasn't procrastinating. If you're going to be who God's called you to be and do what God's called you to do, you got to be a right now person. You gotta be a right now person. Even during the waiting season, there's still movement you have to make. While I was waiting to become the pastor of victory, while my mom was leading our church, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my mom being a brave woman, stepping into her place of authority when my dad passed away. We wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for my grandma, grand grand, stepping into her place of authority, when her husband passed and when her son passed, you can get bitter or you can get better, but you can't do both. You do both, you're double-minded. You gotta choose, take your place of authority. Boaz presented the request to this relative. He said, hey, this, this estate is yours to take and, and you can have it. The man said, I'll have it. It's interesting that in Ruth chapter four, verse two through seven, a relative appears and then he disappears. We don't even know his name. For five verses, this guy enters into the story of God and then he disappears. His name never gets mentioned and I'll tell you why. He says yes and then two verses later he says no. He says yes when he thinks this is gonna do something for him. But the second he finds out he's gonna have to do something for someone else, he says no. There's so many people that miss out on God's plan for their life because they refuse to do something for somebody else. Man, when you live your life all for yourself, the population in your world is you, and it's a lonely world. But when you live your life for others, your world gets bigger, and the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Make room for the people that God's called you to help. Number six, number seven, it's about time to make your move. It's about time you made your move. The man said no, and so Boaz in verse eight, they said, go ahead and buy it. Verse nine, Boaz addressed the elders and all the people in the town square. Everybody say, it's about time you made your move. He knew it was time. He said, hey, everybody, I love this. Singles, listen to this. He included the right people to get their affirmation. Her father wasn't there, but if he was, he would have asked her her father's hand. He would have said, can I have permission to marry you? He was an honorable man. He wanted to get the right people's blessing on their marriage. It's important to pull some godly, wise counsel in your life to weigh in on the decisions that you're about to make. He said, hey, y'all, I wanna marry this girl. I wanna take care of this girl. Her name is Ruth. You've watched her serve in the fields. 
You've watched her take care of her mother-in-law. You've watched her be faithful in the small things. When you're faithful with the small things, God makes you ruler of many things. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise those small little meetings. Those are not mistaken meetings. When Ruth met Boaz the first day she was on the job, the first day she was at work, God was lining everything up. He was seeing the bigger picture. He was saying these two belong together. There was chemistry there. It was a match made in heaven. Come on, somebody. And Boaz said, it's time. I made my move. Today's the day. And so Boaz made a public declaration. I need some help with this. I... I wanna show you what this looks like, and, and I, I need two people that are kind of like dating. Um, Yvonne, will you come up here? He serves at our, in our dream team at, at, at Victory Downtown. Come on up here. You're gonna be Boaz for a second. Is your girlfriend here? Shelby, will you come up here? Give it up, Shelby serves at Victory Downtown too. You got to see what God was up to here. These two people came from different worlds. Yvonne, will you get on this side? Shelby, you stay on this side. Here you go. You got the mic. Boaz was getting in front of the whole town square and he said, hey guys, you've watched me. I, I know I'm, I'm single. I've, I've waited for a long time. I've been working hard. I've been faithful. And there's this girl that I want to marry. <laughs> Let me give you the eighth point right here. Number eight, it's about time that you stopped dating God's will and you got married to God's will for your life. Everybody say, it's about time that you stopped dating God's will. See, some of us, we're just flirting with God's will. It's January, you're like, it's January, I'm gonna flirt with church a little bit. I'm just gonna see what the series is all about. And then I'll decide, you know, if I want God in my life this year. God's not like that. He doesn't want you to just date his purpose. When you date God's purpose, when you just flirt with God's will, you're like, I want one foot in my will, one foot in God's will. No, no, no. God's a jealous God. He wants all of you, not just half of you, not just 90% of you. He wants all of you. He wants to put a ring on your finger. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Everybody say yes to the dress. Come on, somebody. So, 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 so watch this. Boaz... He says, everybody, I'm gonna take care of this girl and I want you to be witnesses here. And everyone in verse 11 through 12, they backed up his decision. They, they said, we're with you, Boaz. Everybody say, we're with you, Boaz. Say, we believe in Ruth. We believe in Ruth. They blessed Ruth. This is amazing. And in verse 11, the town blessed Ruth. We're talking about Israelites who believe in the power of the spoken blessing, that they would give it to each other. They would, Israelites would give it to Israelites. Abraham gave it to Isaac. Isaac gave it to Jacob. Jacob gave it to Joseph. But now the Israelites are giving a blessing to a Moabite woman. They're breaking the boundaries. They're saying, listen, listen, this girl is meant to be a part of this family. She's grafted herself into the family of God. What if you started speaking a blessing over the people in your life instead of criticizing them? Instead of criticizing the next generation, what if you started speaking a blessing over the next generation? That's what they did that day. And so verse 13, Boaz proposed to Ruth. Now, it'd be awesome if we reenacted this, but I don't think this is a reenactment. Yvonne, would you like to say something today? I would. 
Shelby, I love you. And there aren't enough words in the dictionary or a combination of words in the dictionary for me to tell you and properly articulate how I feel about you. Your love for God and the things of God absolutely excite me. Your loving and compassionate heart are the crown of your beauty. Your uniqueness and your little quirks, they really make my heart smile. Now, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that our best days are right in front of us. I, I do know that I want to build a Christ-centered legacy with you in which I will lead and serve you with my very best always. I'll help you grow without any borders or limits. I'll back you up no matter what. And I will love you endlessly. And so with God as our witness, our church family, our families um, here, I have one very special and important question to ask you. And it's whether you would do me the honor of marrying me. our hands out over Yvonne and Shelby. God, we just pray a blessing, Lord, over their future marriage. God, I pray, Lord, for every single in the room that they would see a testimony today of two people that served in the field, that were faithful in the field, that found each other in the field. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless this union and God bless their engagement season as they prepare even more for the days ahead. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against them shall be condemned. Lord, I thank you today for the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be on this marriage and their future children. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Come on, come on. Y'all didn't see that coming. My wife didn't even know. Me and Yvonne were keeping that a secret. Everybody say, it's about time. All right, let me finish the sermon. Y'all are like, man, we can just leave right there. That was so good. <laughs> oh, wow. Jesus. I think this last part might be, though, the most important part for some of you in the room. 
Number nine, it's about time that your barren season ended. It's about time that your barren season ended. When they got married, Ruth conceived. She had been childless. Her previous marriage, she had not seen the destiny, the promise that she wanted to bring into the world. And, and now God was blessing her womb. He was ending the barren. I'm telling you, some of you in this room that have been believing God to get pregnant, this time next year, you're gonna have a baby. This time next year, the miracle of God opening your womb. Some of y'all are laughing. Sarah laughed, but it still happened. God can do it. Everybody say, God can do it. And here's the crazy thing, the end of this story, and I'm wrapping the whole thing up right here, watch this. Naomi took the baby. Everyone looked at Naomi. This is crazy, because the book of Ruth ironically begins with Naomi and ends with Naomi. It's about Ruth, but it's also about Naomi. And the people in Israel said, God has not forgotten you. This is your baby boy, Naomi. No, 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 it's Ruth's boy, no. This is yours, and here's why. In verse 16, Naomi took the baby. This is so deep, this is crazy. Naomi took the child as a grandma, put the child on her bosom, and nursed him. This was miraculous. She wasn't supposed to be able to do this. Number 10, it's about time you got your life back. It's about time you got your life back. Naomi found the life and the vitality and the ability to laugh again, to produce again. She got her milk back. This was wild. This was miraculous. This was supernatural. God wants to tell you today that no matter what you've walked through, no matter what test, your test is gonna be your testimony. Your mess is gonna be your message. And that baby boy that they said was Naomi's baby boy, his real name was Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. Would you stand your feet all over this room? We have an incredible God who wants to write an incredible love story for you, who wants to redeem you. He is the real redeemer. And today he wants to redeem whatever you've walked through. 2017 might have been a good year, might have been a bad year, but 2018 is gonna be your best year yet. Come on! How many of y'all ready for your best year yet? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here right now. And you know God's speaking to you. It's about time that you made your move. It's about time you broke up with your past, the bad habits, the addictions. It's about time you took responsibility for your future. It's about time you got in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's about time you leaned into God's word. It's about time that your barren season ended. God's saying, it's all ready. It's all waiting for you. It's your move. It's your time. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you know God's speaking to you on some decisions to make, it's decision day right now. It's decision day. It's about time. If you know God's speaking, I want you to just raise your hand all over this place. You know what you need to do. Yeah, hands going up from the left to the right, from the front to the back. There's changes you need to make. How many of y'all need to make some changes and you need to make them today? This is your day, husbands, wives, single men, single women. This is your day. It's about time that you broke up with that bad habit. It's about time that you looked at the man in the mirror and said, I'm going to change. I'm going, and it starts with me. It starts with my attitude. It starts with my joy. 
You're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God and it's about time that I got things right with God. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to get on track with God's plan for my life. That's you, just raise your hand. Today's your day. If Jesus came back tomorrow, would you be ready? You can know that you know today. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to leave your seat as if you were walking towards your destiny. I want you to walk down to this altar today and say, it's my time, it's my time. Take a step towards your future today. It's your day, come on, cheer on every brave man, every brave woman. Today is your day. It's time to get a mentor. It's time to be a mentor. It's time to get better. It's time to let go of the bitterness. It's time to forgive the people that hurt you. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time to trust God. It's time to obey God. It's about time. Let's just sing this chorus, Jesus. Jesus. All over this room, just sing, Jesus, I Jesus, surrender. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, There's still room at this altar. There's still room at this altar today. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I surrender. Righteous men and women are ordered, but we've got to start stepping. So today, God, we're going to move from fear to faith. We're going to move from shame to grace. Lord, we're going to move from hesitation to initiation. Lord, today is our day, God, to step out of darkness and step into light, to step out of confusion and to step into peace, to step out of bitterness, Lord, and to step into joy. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I repent of sin. And I receive your forgiveness. It's about time that I let you lead. Have your way in me. 
your will, your purpose. Holy Spirit, direct my steps. And I'll obey. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise today in this place. God loves you. He's with you. He's for you. Your best days are in front of you. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.